Good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is David, and I am the pastor here. And um, yes, I have a suspenders and bow tie on. And, uh, and I like it, actually. I, I actually usually come up here with, uh, with a shirt. I may or may not tuck it in. And this is a huge upped game for me. But uh, my wife said I looked really cute. So that's great. Yes, thank you, Shannon. Uh, if you are our guest tonight, we are so glad to have you guys here. Uh, this is the last of uh, three services for us. And, um, and maybe we did save the best for last. And maybe I was the one who made a wager with John. And, uh, and, and it's so glad to have so many of you guys join us. It is just uh, a joy to be a pastor on Christmas Eve. It really is, is a joy to be here and to, to just get to remember again the Christmas story and the great love and grace that God poured out to us. And that's why we're here. Uh, over the last few Sundays leading up to Christmas, uh, we have been looking at carols. And we've been using the carols as kind of a way to enter into the Christmas story, um, to, uh, to kind of see Scripture uh, in a fresh light. And so we've been talking about, last week we did Joy to the World. We've done Oh Come, All You Faithful, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Tonight we have reserved... Uh, one that uh, y'all would revolt if we didn't sing it at the end, The Darling Child of Christmas Eve, Silent Night. We're going to look at the Christmas story through the, through, through the lens of, um, of the, the carol, Silent Night. And um, before we do that, I thought we could begin with something a little bit fun. Y'all, y'all ever played Name That Tune? Name That Tune? You guys know, know that show? Uh, I see some heads nodding, right? Uh, well, I, we're going to do it with Christmas songs. Um, here, here's how this is going to work. I am going to show you a picture, and you guys are going to tell me what Christmas song it is. But here's, here's something that I've learned after the last two services. Do not immediately shout it out. If you're one of those people that knows it and needs to say it immediately, do not. I will come hit you. I'm kidding. Uh, wait three seconds. I'll count to three, and then you guys can say it out loud. And both the other services, just to let you know, got all of them. Um, so we don't need to be dragging behind on this. I expect uh, a perfect score from y'all. So here we go. Here's the first one. One, two, three. Yeah, there you go. Good job, y'all. Okay, here's the next one. One. Two, three. Good. Okay, here's the next one. One, two, three. Okay, great. Uh, ready? One, two, three. The first Noel. Not just Noel, the first Noel in the alphabet, right? Good. Uh, here's the next one. I came up with this one on my own. Um, one, two, three. A Santa baby, yes, I like that one. Uh, this also was my creation. The next one, one, two, three. We three kings, because LeBron James is the king, and and Elvis Presley was the king, and I could not think of another king, so it's the Burger King. Um, okay, and then this is one more, one, two, three. All right, good. Well done, y'all. You know your Christmas songs. Good job. Oh, wait. Wait, no, let's do that one. One, two. <laughs> you guys getting it? Yeah, Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. What a tragedy. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
Um, We are going to go ahead and read our scripture from Luke chapter 2. If you would go ahead and bow your heads with me, we'll pray before we hear from God's word. Lord, we thank you so much for the incredible things that happened 2,000 years ago that changed the world forever, Um, and it started with the birth of your son, Jesus. I pray as we open up the Bible, Lord, and we hear this story of old told again, um, Lord, uh, that we would hear it with fresh ears, that we would have a deep sense of your love and your presence. And Lord, I just, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Jesus, you are a rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, um, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 19. And if you would like, you're welcome to grab the Bible and the chair in front of you. Actually, most Sundays, I recommend that folks do that. However, um, there's something else that you could do tonight that's a little different. You know, the Bible was first heard before it was ever read by most people that first heard it. And um, sometimes it's very nice to just hear the narrative, hear the story that was told. Uh, It can help us see things in new ways. It can help the story be fresh. And so maybe just listen tonight um, if you'd like and, uh, and try to be a fly on the wall in the story. Just try to place yourself in the events um, and, and maybe God will speak to you in a, in a special way. Let me go ahead and read. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to, his fir- to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Y'all enjoy playing hide and seek? You guys play hide and seek as a kid? Yeah, it's a great game. And um, it is a game that I especially love to play with my kids. I got four of them. I got a little girl who's about that age and who hides just like that. Uh, 
And not too long ago, we were playing hide and seek at my house, and the middle of our three boys, Jeremiah, was it. And he started counting. And so immediately all of us ran for it, right? The little girl, Jordan, who's three, went off three feet away and hid behind a couch, kind of just like that, that kid in that picture, right? She's not such a good hider yet. Uh, the oldest boy ran up the stairs as fast as he could and, um, and hid, I think, in the uh, uh, kitchen playset. He is a pretty good hider. It took us a while to find him. I headed down the hall as fast as I could for a, a bedroom closet. And on my heels was our youngest boy, Johnny, who's five, who I can never shake and always tries to hide with me when we play hide and go seek. And so I got into this closet and, and Johnny comes in and I get to the back where there's like coats covering me and I can get under this, this stuff and <clears throat> he comes in and I know he's going to blow my cover. And so I get him under my legs and I, and I get him down there. And I say, Johnny, shh, you cannot move. Stop it. And I, and I was like that because, I yes, I am that competitive and like to beat little kids at hide-and-go-seek. Um, and so uh, Jared got done counting, and he went up, and he looked for Jess, and he couldn't find him. And then we started hearing pitter-patter down the hallway to where we were in the closet. And Jared got into the room, you know, and you could hear his footsteps. Like when he used to play hide-and-seek, you'd hear the person come in. And he came in, and he opens up the closet door, and he looks in. And uh, he cannot see us. He is looking right at me. I can see him, and he, his brain is not registering. That's dad. And somehow Johnny is quiet and not moving. And so uh, Jer actually starts to shut the closet door. But then Johnny immediately goes, Whoa, Jer, it's us. We're right here. And, and I go, Oh, man, that stinks. You know, we, got, we, we lost. I lost hide and seek that night. But I, actually, I was thinking about how much I really enjoy that moment and that moment with my son Johnny when he couldn't be quiet. Like there was so much energy and excitement in him. And you guys have, have had that moment. Maybe you remember it even from hide and seek as a kid where you could just feel it at the tips of your fingers, right? Where that person would come in and you'd just be so filled up. You couldn't stay silent. You had to erupt and say something. I'm here and you don't see me. Ha, right? And, uh, and life, uh, I was thinking about this, life is really filled with a lot of those moments that are just exuberant, like that, that require our vocal um, announcement of our joy that move us to dancing, you know, things that happen that we just can't stay quiet about, um, things that we have to take joy in. You know, it says in the Gospels that when Jesus entered the city Jerusalem just before his death and resurrection, uh, his disciples were, were cheering on Palm Sunday, and, and these religious leaders, the Pharisees, told them to be quiet, and Jesus said, if my disciples do not speak, even the rocks will cry out. It was a moment where people could not stay silent. But this is one of the things that has always struck me about the Christmas uh, story. It's, it, it's this. Um, when we read the scripture that we read, when Jesus is actually finally born, and you look at the person of Mary, the mother of Jesus, the one who for nine months has been growing the savior of the world in her, in her tummy, who has seen incredible things. You cannot believe what God is doing and doing through her. She is silent in the birth narrative of Jesus. In the Christmas story, Mary doesn't say a single word. 
she hasn't been silent the entire nine months. Um, in fact, we have lots of records of her speaking. She speaks to the angel when she finds out that she's pregnant. She um, speaks to her husband, Joseph, because somebody's got to explain that. Um, she, uh, she ends up speaking a few months later. She goes to the hill country, um, not in Texas. She goes to the hill country in Israel and sees her cousin, Elizabeth. And actually, we do see one of these jubilant moments where she erupts in joy because Mary, uh, uh, seeing her cousin who is also miraculously pregnant, just explodes with the joy of what God is doing in her life and her, her joy in, in Jesus coming and choosing her and saving the world through this child that was growing in her womb. She, she erupts with this beautiful song. Um, however, here in the birth narrative, she's quiet. We don't hear, hear her say anything. Um, it's like it's a still, silent night, and Mary simply has this newborn, innocent child at her breast. And, and this is what we read in verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Have you all ever been there? Have you ever had those moments uh, that are just so mind-blowingly incredible, um, so not what you expected that it just left you speechless? You, you, you didn't have words to describe the joy um, of what you had experienced. You know, my brother and his wife um, actually got pregnant on their honeymoon because my brother is a, is a fool. And um, <laughs> that's funny. Come on. Uh, Danny, that's Yeah, you are a fool. He will watch this. Yes. And, um, and uh, when they told my parents a couple weeks later, they went to a restaurant to eat and Danny said, uh, Mom and Dad, um, Noel is pregnant. And my dad, you know, was kind of surprised. And my mom, who is usually always um, erupting with emotion, her jaw dropped. And for evidently, Danny says, the next minute, she just stared at them with her mouth open. And the way that this conversation ended was, uh, my brother said to my mom after 60 seconds, Mom, can you please close your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> she was speechless, right? Uh, I once heard it said, life at its best is not measured by the breaths you take, but by the breaths you miss. And I, I can see that, right? There are those times that are just amazing when we are just astonished and suddenly there are no words to describe uh, everything that we're seeing and taking in with, with, with our eyes. Um, I think Christmas actually is, it can be one of those times, especially when we really start to let the greatness and awesome wonder of what has happened come, come together. And actually, I think that is really probably what was happening with Mary in the scripture. Um, like I said, verse 19 says, she pondered all these things in her heart and in the Greek, this word for ponder, to ponder, if you were to literally translate it, it means to bring together in one's mind, to confer with oneself. It's like Mary was sitting there trying to make sense of it all, trying to put it all together, this incredible thing that had happened that had left her speechless. And, and, and that's what I think Mary was really doing. I think that's why she didn't have words. And she was just trying to put it all together. And I want to just share um, two things that I think probably were the things that Mary was conferring with in her own mind. Things that she was seeing that, uh, that really had left her speechless, that had 
given her the joy that had made her think, wow, I serve an incredible, awesome God. Wow, I get to be part of this story. And I hope that as we see what Mary sees, some of that's going to remind you of the awesomeness of Christmas and what we celebrate today. Here's the first thing. God's Savior had been born so humbly. God's Savior had been born so humbly. I think one of the things that left Mary speechless was the incredible, humble birth of God's Savior. You know, kings, uh, when, when royalty expects a baby, everybody watches, right? When the, when the British couple that are royalty, I cannot remember their name right now, had a baby, right? We waited forever for that baby. I was so annoyed by that, right? Uh, you would think that Mary would have thought that when she gave birth to God's own son, the Savior of the world, right, that there, there would be, um, you know, something that would, that would announce it, right? But, uh, but from her perspective, it was humble. It was quiet. And that is, it was announced, right? She just didn't know it. There was some things that were loud about it. God sent an angel and then a heavenly host, we read, to announce to uh, these shepherds the birth of Jesus. But Mary didn't know about that. And, and uh, Mary is there speechless and in the quiet uh, in the way that Jesus came in. But um, granted, it wasn't fully quiet for Mary that whole night, right? Uh, she just gave birth to a baby before there were epidurals. I'm positive that wasn't quiet. But, um, but, but when you think about it, and when she probably stepped back and saw what had happened, Jesus was born just like any other Israelite baby would have been born at the time. There was nothing uh, exceptional about his birth. In fact, it was less ex- good circumstances than most people would have had because they were displaced. And yet here is Mary with the Savior of the world on her breast. Earth didn't know what heaven could see. And when Jesus breathed his first breath, life just continued and went on. Uh, Jesus had been born, but he had been born so humbly. I think for you and me, uh, it's good for us to see that humility because it, it really does seem to be one of the ways that, that God prefers to enter into our world and really prefers to enter into our lives. God oftentimes speaks to us in quiet ways, in, in humble ways. And, uh, and that isn't to say God isn't ready to do whatever it takes to help us see his mercy and grace. In fact, he has done it and he will do it. And if we ignore him, God will do whatever it takes to try to get us to the point where we are able to see that grace. But I don't think that is how uh, God chooses to enter into the world most often. I think it's a gentle knocking instead of a kicking down of the door of our life. And um, Revelation 3.20 says it like this. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens to me, I will come into him. There's a famous painting done by a man named Holman Hunt that hangs in the British uh, National Museum, the British National Gallery in London. And that's actually uh, an image of it. Um, It is inspired by Revelation 3.20. You can see Jesus there knocking at the door. And um, evidently, there was a boy who was there looking at the painting with his father. And one of the workers overheard their conversation. The boy was looking at it, trying to understand it. And he he said to his dad, Dad, uh, why isn't anybody opening the door for Jesus? And the dad said, Son, I, I don't know. And the son said, Maybe they're making too much noise to hear him knocking. 
And, and I think that was a really good observation, right? If there's too much noise, too much other stuff happening in our lives, I just think that so often we're not going to be able to hear the gentle, humble entry of God uh, into our lives. We're, we're going to miss the gentle, humble entry of God into the world. And, uh, and we, um, we've got to quiet our lives enough to let Jesus enter in. And maybe that is one of the reasons, you know, we love this carol, Silent Night, so much. Because in the stillness, at the end of the service, when it's just candlelight and voices, right, it's one of those quiet, humble moments where Christ can enter in. Here's the second thing that I think, um, that I think Mary was thinking about that really had astounded her was this. God chose to first share the news with the humble. When Jesus was born, God showed to first share the news with the most humble. And I think that took Mary's breath away. You know, um, it had to be surprising for Mary that there wasn't any kings that showed up. Um, There were Magi that came later. It had to be surprising to Mary that there wasn't any like religious leaders at the time who would have had a sense of what God was doing uh, or would have at least uh, been clued in in some way. None of those people showed up. Not, not in the first few days, not in the first few months. Uh, actually, the Magi may have come uh, a year or two later. And, um, and the, the, the thing that does happen, the people who do come and see Mary right after Jesus is born are, are these shepherds, right? Uh, and, and what we miss uh, oftentimes because of our cultural distance is that shepherds weren't just uh, humble uh, people, they were actually in a position socially that was a bit humiliating. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. It was kind of like being um, uh, the the guy that takes care of rats in New York City. It wasn't a job that people wanted or aspired to. And um, <clears throat> and and shepherds uh, was were one of the six professions. Just to give you some reference points, that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, considered unworthy. You should not be a shepherd. They thought um, shepherds were people whose testimony wasn't considered valid in the court of law. Many times in ancient Israel, shepherds were people who were not allowed into the synagogue because the work that they did made them ritually unclean. Even in, in, in their regular everyday thing, they weren't allowed to go and worship God. These were, were humble people who, who were in a humiliating place. And yet what is incredible is God chooses these shepherds uh, to be the first that, that, that hear the news. They're the ones that come and see Mary that night. And, and I, I think that for us, that offers a, a really wonderful bit of hope. Right um, it, it, at the center of the gospel is this truth, right? That the that the gift of God is not essentially an intellectual experience. It's not something given to the powerful or the chosen or those who um, end up in just the right social place. The gift of God, the the news of the gospel, was first given to the ungood, to the weak, to the lowly, to the shepherds, and anyone who is able to humble their hearts. Man, these are, these are those who are those who will welcome the good Lord in. And with that, I want to leave you guys with uh, a really wonderful story that, that is really cool to actually tell tonight. It's a true story. In 1792, in a city called Salzburg in Austria, there was a young man born, and his name was Joseph. <clears throat> and Joseph was born humbly 
in actually humiliating circumstances because he was born out of wedlock. He was the third child to the third father of an embroiderer named Anna Scheuberin. And, uh, and she, he was the son of actually a mercenary soldier who was moving through named Franz Mohr. And uh, that soldier abandoned uh, Joseph and his mother even before he was born. And, um, and so Joseph's life began a really broken mess. Uh, he had uh, the potential future of something not much better than a shepherd uh, when you consider the life he was born into. And to further complicate things, in Austria in 1792, uh, there was some strict moral laws. And Joseph's mother, being uh, pregnant out of wedlock, actually had to pay a fine um, for what she had done uh, to, to, to the state. And, um, and she didn't have the money. She was an embroiderer. She wasn't going to have the money. And this was a big problem for the family. And very interestingly, at this point, uh, a, a person stepped in and offered to pay this fine. And he was actually the town executioner. He was the one who, who killed or put people to death who had been sentenced to death. And um, he probably had mixed motives in doing it. Uh, he was not seen as someone who uh, was respected in the society, but chose to adopt Joseph and pay this fine probably to get a better reputation. And while it saved the family and Joseph in the short term, they paid the fine, um, it actually set Joseph up for uh, a lot of problems long term because of his association with his adopted father. He wasn't let into a school. Parents didn't want their kids playing with him. He lost opportunities. And so things were not good for this young man. Uh, he bo was born disadvantaged. He grew up disadvantaged. He didn't have a lot going for him, except he did have a good singing voice. And one day when he was singing, uh, there was a monk who just happened to overhear him and a monk who just happened to be the choir master for the cathedral there in Salzburg. And, um, and he noticed Joseph's voice and he invited him uh, to be a part and, and, and brought him in to be a part of the choir that he led. He said he would take him in and, and teach him music and, uh, and Joseph absolutely flourished in this setting. Uh, by the age of 12, he had mastered the organ, learned to play the violin and guitar and started to write music. He grew up to be a priest and this is where the story is really cool. Uh, in one of the churches he served, in 1818, actually exactly 200 years ago to the day, uh, Joseph Moore and a friend stepped up with a guitar and sang a song that he'd written for the first time ever. Here's the lyrics of the first verse. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Do you guys know that about Silent Night? That song takes on a whole new meaning uh, when you understand the one who penned it in their life and their experience. Silent Night was, is a song written by a man who'd been born illegitimate, whose life in so many ways was without hope, without much promise of a future, uh, a humbled man, but a man who by the grace of God uh, had Christ the Savior born into his life um, and gave him an absolutely heavenly peace. 
right? It is a, a song that speaks to the quiet stillness of God's grace that came into the world when Christ was born that, uh, that is the quiet stillness that's the peace that we all know when Jesus enters into and is born into our lives. And friends, that's what we celebrate here tonight. If you know that peace, when we sing that song, think about it. Think about God's grace to you. Humble your heart and, and let Jesus uh, be full and rich this evening when we sing Silent Night. And if you don't know that peace, um, let me say, there is no light night like Christmas Eve than to let, uh, no better night than to let Christ be born in your life. If you have not trusted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, uh, you can do that tonight for the first time. And we serve communion. Come forward as an act of faith, saying, Jesus, uh, I, I receive you, your grace in my life, and we'd love to have you do it. Um, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for just this incredible story of your grace and this incredible song of Christmas Eve that we've come to love, uh, written by the life, uh, Joseph Moore. And I thank you for the witness of his life. I thank you for the grace that you poured out on him. I thank you for the grace that you've poured out on every single one of us. And Jesus, I just pray as we um, come and sing and give thanks for what you've done for us, Lord, that, uh, that we, we would just have that stillness, that quietness, that peace in our hearts, that Christ the Lord was born, and he changes everything. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.